Ah, hmm, I just had a yawn. Yes, I'm getting ready to go to bed, so I thought I'd do this little podcast, and then I'm going to bed. Well, I'm not just going to bed. I'm also, I think I'm going to take a break from social media again and focus on other parts of my life, things I need to do. Um, Because I am spending too much time again, I've discovered, on social media. You know, this is one platform, too. I might do an occasional one, but certainly not what I've been doing on a regular basis. Um, I hate it when I yawn because I would like to do a a podcast where I didn't yawn. Um, I get chronically bored. I think I've told you guys this before if you can't remember or you know or if I hadn't told you um I get bored very very easily Um, so my yawning isn't um oxygen deprivation by any stretch it's it's boredom you know I hear I'm yawning again (sighs) talk about being bored and I start yawning okay I'm going to get right to it because I just want to do this and, you know, go to bed. Just just say the hell with it. Yeah. Let me put it this way. Or let me say it this way. Um, there are three types of people. Yes, yeah, so you're going to hear the three types of people thing. Because there really are three types of people. There are people who care too much about the welfare of other people. There are people who care within reasonable limits about other people. And then there are people who don't really care about other people. They just don't. They don't care about anybody but themselves. And their behavior, each one, well, the behavior of each type of person manifests who the, what type of person they really are. Um, but we're going to talk about the first two. Because really, well, oh, yes, let's talk about the third first, because there's very little that needs to be said about the third. And because the actions of the third don't really have an applicability to the first two, we can push this one out of the way quite quickly. And that is they don't really care about anybody but themselves. The only time they really care about other people is when they have needs that other people who do care might be able to satisfy. Um, Otherwise, these people, um, they don't care about anybody. They don't do anything really for anybody. They're consumers in the worst way. And as long as things are going well for them, they'll live this capricious, irresponsible, carefree life doing the things they want to do. Boom. That's that type of person. Now we're gonna we're gonna work our way backwards. The second type of person who does care about people within um, reasonable limits or modest limits, um, they do care about people, but they don't allow themselves to care too much about people for various reasons. Sometimes because they only are able to care uh, so much about people. I'm, I'm not going to apologize for every time I yawn because I yawn so frequently it would be just embarrassing. So I'm just going to yawn and continue. They do, some some of the people in the middle, the people who do care about people within reasonable limits, some of them 
believe they have a philosophy. They should only care about a person so much, and they only do, and they only do so much for people. There's that type. Then there's the other type of the second group um, who doesn't feel it's their responsibility, so they don't. They only care so much, they do so much, and that's it. Then there's the others um, who care so much, but because they have their own needs and responsibilities, um, they can't expand their, they would if they could, but they can't. So they purposely constrain um, their caring to a level they feel they can handle because they know that if they care too much, if they allow themselves to care too much, that they will um, overcommit, I guess is a good way to put it. They'll overcommit. Okay. But they're, nonetheless, these people do care about people, especially their own immediate family, their spouse, the children. <sighs> then it reaches out from there where they, um, you know, parents, maybe the grandmother. Um, the circle widens um, when it goes out past their immediate family. Then they're friends. So these are good people, but they, you know, for whatever reason, they only allow themselves to care so much. So when they hear something good is happening to somebody, oh, they're excited. Oh, well, I'm so happy for you. And they are. They're genuinely happy for the person. When something bad happens to the person, they're not so affected. They're like, oh, gee, that's too bad. Oh, wow, I'm sorry it happened to you. But there's no real emotional connection to it because their caring abilities celebrate you when you have uh, achieved something or you have something remarkable happening in your life that didn't involve them doing anything. They didn't have to give you anything or do anything, make any real effort. It happened to you, and they're happy for you. Um if they did something to help you and something happened good, they would be celebrating you too. Um, but when you've done it on your own and they haven't been able to do anything, they really celebrate you. The other side of that coin is when something bad happens to you, like yawning during your podcast, they're not very empathetic. I mean, they'll say, oh, gee, that's too bad, or, Wow, I'm sorry that happened to you. Um, but they're hoping that you don't ask them for anything. Secretly, they're hoping. Um, and they're not offering anything um, other than their condolences, you know, for your misfortune. That's about it. The first type of people is different. They care too much. Yeah, they really do. They care sometimes too much where people outside of themselves, maybe friends, maybe relatives, could be anybody really, that they truly care about. They care too much. And unlike the second group who has things well-defined and understands there's limits to what they can do, uh, and the third group doesn't care anyway. The problem with the first group is it's hard for them to put parameters on what they're willing to do unless something, some outside force prevents them from doing something. Um, and in caring too much, 
their life gets insinuated into the other person's life too deeply. Um, so the person's uh, achievements are, are keenly felt and celebrated. And when the person makes mistakes or suffers, that's keenly felt too. And when the person makes bad decisions, that's keenly felt too. And, you know, it, it has, there's a, it's a mixed, a set of mixed emotions within the person who's viewing the person who's making these bad judgments or making mistakes in their life. Knowingly making them is even worse. When misfortune falls on them, this person tries to race in and do whatever they can. When the person purposely chooses something that is detrimental to them, this then this type of person finds it difficult. Uh, they usually don't really say anything. Because what can you say? It's like the shocking, it's like the realization of how little impact they have on other people's lives becomes apparent. It's like the, all of a sudden they remember, yeah, I have no control over what this person does. I have really no you know, I have no input, real, you know, really. I have no real effect upon what this person does. That's what the realization does to them. And they withdraw, you know. They don't comment. They just kind of accept the fact that, okay, you know, you knowingly made this mistake, so what do you expect me to say? That's the, that's the feeling they have inside. So what do you expect me to say? I'm that way with people. Um, when I, not just sense, but when I observe that you're doing some incredibly ridiculous things or you're jeopardizing yourself, um, I too am inclined to to really have nothing to say about it. You know, what do you want me to say is what I'm thinking. Um, you have the situation you know what you're into. You know what you have to do. You know the consequences for not doing it. And then you walk away from it, um, leaving the complicated circumstances. And you're the one who's going to suffer. That's the thing that really always dismayed me about people was why do people knowingly choose to do things that they know are going to bring them um, heartache, or bring them problems, or not fulfill obligations that they, you know, have made covenants that they made. Now they're not keeping. They're not keeping the obligation, and the collateral effect that it'll have on other people. You know, you really have to ask yourself, what can you really say to a person who does something like that, and what can you really say to a person who does this kind of stuff on a regular basis? I can't say anything really, um, except, well, you made your decision. You know, I don't even like to give counsel on stuff like that. I don't even like to really um, discuss it. To me, it's cut and dry. Um, you knew what you needed to do. You made a choice that you were going to do this, this other thing. Now you've made it. So let's see what happens, you know. Um, good luck. <laughs> I'm inside. I'm thinking that good luck because I, it, it's irrational to me. 
It's irrational to willingly, knowingly choose something that you know is detrimental to you um, and is going to cause you problems. It's going to make your life more difficult, more complicated, and it's going to throw you in the depths of depression when you realize, if you haven't already, but if you come to, when they come to realize just how bad that decision was. A lot of times people do, they make irrational decisions emotionally. And, well, the immediate effect of getting out of a situation, I'll say. The immediate effect of getting out of a a situation that has been, where the decision has been made emotionally, is freedom, this great burden being lifted off from them. That's what they feel. I've talked to a lot of people about this. That's what they tell me. Um, I felt like oh, I was lighter than air. I was floating. I had this great weight lifted off of me. Then you see them a few days later and talk to them, and they're like super depressed, fearful, don't know what they're going to do, freaking out, um, regretting the decision they made, realizing you know how stupid they were to do the thing they did. This, this is what people say to me. And the sad thing is, is they usually have successfully destroyed the opportunity or burned a bridge to that opportunity so they cannot restore the opportunity. They blew it up. They have to find something else. They have to do something else. But they cannot go back and correct what they did. It's, it's done. It's gone. It's over with. Um, and really, what can a person do who does stuff like that? Well, they have to start again. Um, I will tell you this, so I won't call it a secret, probably. It was something you guys don't know, I don't think. Maybe one of the two of you does. I have started my life from scratch four times. Mm-hmm. By the time I was 28, four times. I can't tell you how excruciatingly hard it was uh, when I was younger, let alone now. If I was to do it now, holy cats. But being a, a young man from you know the time I was 17 to the time of tw- I was 28, I had started my life over four times. Yeah, by the time I was 28, going on 29, I was on my third marriage. Yeah, life was pretty hard. Um, tremendously difficult. Uh, it was just unbelievably difficult for me um, in, a, in a number of things, number of ways, you know, you know, jobs, um, getting a car, all the things people struggle with um, in life. I struggled with um, starting from scratch, no money, I had to take a low paying freaking job as a foreman and then work my way up from there. It was just, it was a very difficult thing. Um, just scraping by. And then, you know, things started to improve. Um, we decided I was, I had a, a good job offer with the company. Everything looked like it was in, you know, going to be good with this company and blah, blah, blah. And I felt like I shouldn't take the job. I should go back and get my college degree, finish my degree. So I declined the offer. And then headed out to Iowa to finish my degree. That was difficult. Halfway through it, I have a freaking terrible car accident. 
and get sidetracked and have to, you know, stop stop my degree, my studying for a degree, and take time off from the brutal car accident. So then I have to go back to school after I recovered and start all over again. And then, I, but I finished my degree and got it. Um, and you know, and then I was a general contractor, and that's what I did. And then we ended up in Utah. But what I'm trying to say is this. Um, there were many times in terrible, terrible, excuse me, situations where I wanted to quit. Um, I mean, there, I just wanted to escape it and I was willing to pay the price. But when I got married the third time and we got married to an excellent woman and had the responsibilities of four children, I couldn't do that. I couldn't just do the scorched earth like I had when I was younger, you know, couldn't do it. Um, wouldn't do it. And so I had to stay in and do things, work for companies I didn't want to work for and deal with people I didn't want to deal with and get freaking screwed by customers. Um, you name it. I, I paid the price for it, but I stayed in the game and I made it work. Yeah. And that's what life is all about, staying in the game and making it work, not giving up, um, and not thinking that we are so magnificent that everything needs to be on our terms or it's not good. Or if we can't have our way with something, we're not going to do it. You know, um, I think too many people quit before... Um, the in other words, I think too many people, they get an opportunity, they take the opportunity, but they don't stay in the opportunity long enough to let the opportunity materialize into what it was intended to be. So the full benefits of the, of the opportunity are never real, realized or recognized because they don't stay in the opportunity long enough. Um, they go in and they go for so long and then they decide this is not what I wanted. This is not working out or whatever. And then they leave opportunities. Um, they come and go. Sometimes they're not even recognized. So they're never acted upon. But I would say in a person's life, there's only a few times a, a great opportunity will come your way. Only a few times. And if you don't take it and make it work for you, it's an awful long time, it seems, before you get another opportunity. And if you get comfortable discarding your opportunities, um, they'll never see fruition. They never will because you won't let them. Yeah. Uh, this is a subject very difficult for me to talk on, but. Um, basically, that's it. It's like the old adage: if it's up, to, um, if it's to be, it's up to me. And that best sums up opportunities. If an opportunity comes your way and it's to be an opportunity that'll benefit you, then it's up to you to make that opportunity work for you. If you don't, it's not really an opportunity, and it's certainly not going to benefit you um, if you're not willing to make it work for you. And if you bail on it, 
or decide that you don't want to be part of it, it's not really what you want, well, then you're left without an opportunity. And that's where it ends. All right, that's it. I'm not going to belabor this. Um, you know, a person must make their own choices, but a person must also be willing to, um, well, accept the, I would say, the consequences of their actions. Yeah. And deal with it because that's what you're, that's what we end up doing anyway. All right. Goodbye.